Hi, my name is Evan. I use he, him pronouns. And I'm Ian, and I use they, them pronouns. And this is If the Shoe Fit, a podcast about every single Cinderella story known to man. No, but close enough. Um, (laughs) This is a podcast about 20 specific Cinderella stories. Yes. And a couple bonus episodes. Right. And this is our season finale. Season finale. Season finale. That's my season finale song. That's very good. Did you, you. Did you write that? I did. How long did that take you? Years. Wow. It shows. So it's Oscar season right now, and we thought, what better way to end our season and celebrate all these Cinderella's than by comparing them and doing a little competition like the Oscars. It's our Oscars. It's our Oscars, yeah. The shoes. <laughs> The the, the shoeses, the fitties, the fitties. <laughs> so so what we've done is we both separately have gone through the spreadsheet that I've been keeping of, on various data points in these Cinderellas and picked a number of categories and favorites, and we have not talked about what our favorites are. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll both share our favorites, and then if our top choice is the same, then that person receives the fitty. I think. Right. That person or, or place or thing. Now, are we going to debate who's going to get this fitty between our choices? Oh, okay. Yeah, we can do that. Because in art, there are winners and there are losers. Mm-hmm. Now, also keep in mind, we also have some runner-ups. So a runner-up might also Oh, come jump in to the, the top? Win. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I suppose if you have a person as a runner-up and I have a person as, as my top choice, then that seems like yeah. we could maybe get there. So we're starting off any award show. You have to start with the real like bottom of the tier awards and work your way up to the big ones how dare you how dare you call him a bottom (laughs) (laughs) so our first award of the evening and i hope you're listening to this in the evening if you're you're not pause it and wait (laughs) or pretend it's the evening pretend it's the evening pretend that that we're both wearing tuxes which we are Mm -hmm. pretend that you're also uh, watching at home you've made all your predictions you've got money riding on this I'm actually wearing a beautiful gown, a beautiful ball gown uh, for this awards. So with glass slippers. So our first award is for Cinderella's best friend. We're calling it the Gustav Award. I wish we could do like a montage. Like here's some of the Gustavs we met this year and then (laughs) play all the clips. If only. If only. But we're not going to do that. We're not a video podcast. So my top choice for Gustav, Mm -hmm. this may surprise you. Mm Mm-hmm. It's Stephanie from Made in Manhattan. Really? Yes. And I'll explain why in a second. And then I have a runner-up, which is Gustav from Ever After. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's so funny. So my Gustav Award goes to Jacques and Gus Gus. Okay. From the original movie? From the original 1950s Cinderella. Uh Uh-huh. However, my runner-up is also Gustav. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, there was a part of me that was like, I can't... We named it after him. We cannot give him at least a nod. And Gustav is such a good friend. His only purpose in the narrative is to like serve Cinderella and help her get a leg up. Mm. Cinderella needs a friend like that. He's so like self-sacrificing. Mm-hmm. He gets to meet Leonardo da Vinci because of it. Right. He's an all-around great guy. And it seems like good things happen to him in the movie because it becomes like the court painter. I think you're uh, debating yourself and convincing yourself that Gustav should get this award. Well, here's why I put Stephanie on top. Stephanie in Made in Manhattan goes above and beyond in the field of Gustav. Because usually the Gustav, and I think we'll also talk about this when we get to Fairy Godmother next, usually the Gustav just sort of like course corrects Cinderella, 
at worst is just like a an ear for Cinderella to talk to, and at best, like helps set her on the right path a little bit. Hmm. Stephanie gets our Cinderella a job. Remember, she applies for the higher tier hotel job mm-hmm. in our Cinderella's name because she knows she won't do it herself. That is such a Gustav move, and it is going above and beyond, and that's why I think she deserves the Gustav Award. See, I hear you. But did Stephanie climb so many stories of an attic tower as a small person with a key to unlock the door to the attic for Cinderella? I think, no. Well, but the thing is that if Stephanie were in that situation, she would have been better at it. Do you think? Yeah, because she's a human size and she could just walk up the stairs. Yeah, but I think that's why Jack and Gus Gus should get it because they oh, are they have, small it, and they have a disadvantage and they were still able to do it. So it's not about it's not about how much they achieved, but how much energy they put into doing it totally. for you. Yeah, because even if they failed, even if they failed, they still gave their best effort and did all that work for Cinderella. They didn't have to. They could have just eaten some cheese and went along with their merry way. I mean, that's true of any Gustav. You know, no one no one has to be involved. Let's say we compromise and call it Gustav from Ever After. Gustav from Ever After. Congratulations, Gustav. Always coming up to accept it. That's so nice. <laughs> oh, okay, so our next award is Best Fairy Godmother. This was hard. This was hard. There was I had an immediate, like, recency bias where I was like, Helena Bonham Carter was so good. Mm-hmm. She did not end up making my list, though. What's yours first? My first one, the one that I chose, this one... I think has the best dialogue, mm-hmm. the overall best like relationship to her Cinderella, and if I may say, the best voice. I'm talking Whitney Houston as the fairy godmother in Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella in 1997. Uh-huh. Did you have a runner-up? I do. I have two runner-ups. Okay, hit me. Both of them will surprise you. Mm-hmm. One is the godmother from Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella. That does surprise me because she's kind of terrible. <laughs> I don't think she's terrible. Mm-hmm. What I love about her is that she is so different mm. from any other godmother that we have seen. Mm-hmm. And like, she has the combinations of a bunch of godmothers that we have seen as well, like Slipper in the Rose, Cinder Elmo, you know, this being a job mm-hmm. and just takes it to the extreme. And I really like, I think this is the best version of this is my job. And so I'm going to do everything that I can to help you. Mm -hmm. And who's your second runner-up? My second runner-up is Olivia Colman. She was not... She was the Panto fairy godmother. I thought we weren't including the small Cinderella's (laughs) uh, in this. So none of the small Cinderella's are in mine. That that wasn't a small Cinderella. That was a Christmas special. Oh, right. The bonus episodes are not on the spreadsheet. So I didn't even think about her when I was looking at it. But because we talked about the Oscars, and since she is nominated for an Oscar right now, <laughs> okay, I have to give her her flowers. I'll see it as your honorable mention. I would find it hard to buy a sinister godmother mm-hmm. uh, as the best fairy godmother because the godmother in uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella is so spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't matter because we both picked Whitney Houston as the f- best fairy godmother. She really is the best. I have, uh, as a runner-up, I have uh, Rhonda from A Cinderella Story. Again, this is the balance between, like, I chose uh, Whitney Houston because she feels like such a mother to Brandy in that movie. Mm-hmm. It feels like such a, like, personal relationship. And sometimes the fairy godmother can feel, like, above it all. Mm-hmm. 
But Rhonda goes above and beyond and doesn't just help Cinderella get to the ball, but actually helps her get out of her abusive situation by housing her when she um, breaks up with her abusive family. Right. So I wanted to give Rhonda a special mention for that. But Whitney Houston takes the win for both of us. Whitney. Our next category is best stepsister or step sibling pair. Mm-hmm. I put in first place Marguerite and Jacqueline from Ever After. I also put Marguerite and Jacqueline <laughs> in first place from Ever After. Okay. And then for my honorable mention are Malvolia and Narissa from Cinderella 2021. I don't have any honorable mention. However, I did just think of Baby Bear. Oh, yeah. So I have to give a shout out to Baby Bear. Teddy and Baby Bear from Cinderella. Right. Malvolia and Narissa, I wanted to give a shout out to because... I immediately loved them from their introduction, and then I felt like they didn't get enough to do for that movie. Mm-hmm. But I thought they both were, seemed so fun and interesting. Mm-hmm. Marguerite and Jacqueline, though, it may be the only Cinderella where both stepsisters are fully realized characters with arcs. Often there's like one who's like scheming and one who's an idiot, mm-hmm. and that doesn't happen here. They're both interesting characters. They both get to do stuff. Um, they have that, like, the little bit of that where one is... One is perceived an idiot. Right. And the other one is definitely scheming. Like, totally totally scheming. But Jacqueline just triumphs. I think Jacqueline is the best stepsister in the entire, like, in our entire Cinderella universe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hands down. I guess I'll give it to Marguerite as well, since I kind of have to, since it's best stepsisters. But if I could just give it to Jacqueline, I would. Mm All righty. So next up is the best ball or the ball you most would like to attend. I found this one difficult because there's a there's a real sameness to a lot of the balls where it's just like in a palace and it's like a just a fancy event. Mm-hmm. What did you do for this one? For me, I I kind of was just like what if I were going to a ball or if I were going to a party, which one would I stay for? That's how I felt also. Because there are definitely some where I'm like I would not stay for i would like get some food and leave or i just wouldn't even show up Mm -hmm. for me the one that i chose as the best ball was matthew born cinderella oh you know i considered matthew born cinderella ball but it is literally like a dream ball full of dead people but i'm not bringing that into consideration i'm mostly thinking about just the party atmosphere in general Mm mm-hmm and that was a party. That was a fun time. Yes. Interestingly, for along those reasons, I picked the welcome party from Cinderfella. This is the only time Cinderfella is going to appear on my list <laughs> for a lot of reasons, which we'll get into later. But that is a like kind of old Hollywood party with Count Basie doing swing music and all these like fancy Hollywood types, that is a party that I think I would enjoy being at. And that was a staircase. And what a staircase. That was a beautiful staircase. And I gave an honorable mention to the ball from Ever After. I also gave the, the Ever After ball an honorable mention. Wow. Because it's just so big, so grand. You have that boat that's like rocking, and there's like fireworks mm-hmm. and everything. And like I like that it's outdoors. I think it's one of the only outdoor balls we see. I think the Cinderfella one is outdoors as well. Mm, yeah, it could be. Yeah, but I, I I really like just using that big area for a giant ball. Like it just seems it's one of the few balls where I can actually be like, oh, everybody in the kingdom is here. Mm, yeah. 
So should we give it to the ball from Ever After? I think we should. Ever After is taking a lot of these. Yeah. So our next category is our favorite small Cinderella. Mm. So some caveats first. Two of the small Cinderella's, uh, Cinderella by S.T. Lynn and... The 2013 Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella Broadway revival. Yes, are ineligible for this award because they're being considered for best overall Cinderella. Mm -hmm. So with that caveat, uh, my choice for best small Cinderella or favorite small Cinderella is Soho Cinders. Mm. I just want to know so much more about it, but the music is so fun. I love to have a queer Cinderella. It's one of the ones that I would go out of my way to learn more about or to, to go see if I had an opportunity to. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of these, I feel like I get it. I can move on and I don't need to see them again. Totally. No, I get that. I get that. My choice personally was Gonzarella. Ah, we love Gonzarella. Uh, staying on that kind of queer narrative. It's so nice in now 2022, but when this aired, it was 2021 to see such beautiful representation, Mm -hmm. you know, as a non-binary person myself. And I know there's a lot of gender non-conforming people out there and children who are, who don't feel that they fit within the binary. Seeing something like Gonzarella is going to be so helpful and so crucial and so wonderful for them because they finally get to see what they are. They, they feel represented. I loved Gonzarella. The reason I didn't include it as one of my picks for favorite small Cinderella is because I don't think it's a good adaptation of the Cinderella story. Mm. I think it could be any story about wearing a dress or any opportunity for uh, Gonzo to show gender nonconformity to their assumed gender. Um, I gave my honorable mention to the sequel trailers for the Cinderella story <laughs> cinematic universe because I enjoyed so much rapid firing those and taking a look at the the breadth of those, the differences in those. It was camp. Do you have an honorable mention? I do have an honorable mention. I picked Poor Cinderella, the Betty Boop oh, cartoon. Oh, the Betty Boop cartoon. Yes, because ultimately it's... It's truly one of my favorite, like, of the small Cinderella's we did. Beca- I picked Gonzarella for its importance, but Poor Cinderella is my favorite because it is able to tell the story full and completely with, at- with added comedic effects in 10 minutes. And it's just so glorious to see the Betty Boob character go through the Cinderella story. And she's gone through other stories like Alice in Wonderland and Snow White. But this, to me, I think is the best Betty Boob cartoon by far. And it, how many times have I sang, I'm just a poor Cinderella? Like I sing it (laughs) all the time because it's always in my head. It is probably one of the most memorable small Cinderella's to me that we've done. Yes. Yeah. It's also been a very memorable one for me. Can I convince you to join me in Soho Cinders? You can definitely convince me to join you in Soho Cinders. I think you can convince me to join you in, in Gonzarella, which is the the complicated thing. Should we call it a tie between the two? As important as Gonzarella is to me, mm-hmm. I really loved Soho Cinders. Great. So I will give it to Soho Cinders. I think it's such a fun musical that I definitely do want to see more of. So we're into our final three individual categories now. Mm-hmm. These are like the best actor, best actress, best supporting actor and actress for us. Yes. And then we'll talk about best overall Cinderella. Mm-hmm. So first in this category, best stepmother. The hardest one. 
This one was really difficult, and... There's so many that you could honorable mention. There's so many that you could pick, and you'd be right. Mm-hmm. And I gave it a tie. Okay. I have a tie, and I have an honorable mention. I'm listing three people here. The tie is between uh, Rod Miller de Ghent in Ever After, mm-hmm. and Kate Blanchett's stepmother in Cinderella 2015. Mm. And my honorable mention is Fiona in a Cinderella Story, as played by Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> now... Here's. Can I say I'm laughing because I have the same ones. Really, the same three? Yeah. Oh my god, they're all uh, three queens stand before me. <laughs> all of them incredible, for such different reasons. I think the writing is serving Angelica Houston the best. I think that Kate uh, Blanchett just owns every shot she's in, every room she's in, and she like pulls off being a stepmother so well that's sort of like haughty and that's h-a-u-g-h-t-y but also like gorgeous and in control kind Mm -hmm. of thing she does so well and then fiona jennifer coolidge plays this incredible mix between the like comedy of the stepmother and the seriousness i mean there are moments where like like the dramatic moments are are dramatic and she feels really evil but also you can still laugh at her Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a masterful performance, mm-hmm. I thought. Yeah, I mean, all three of them really gave incredible performances. I mean, Angelica Houston acted the hell out of that role mm-hmm. from the moment she stepped on screen. I mean, from the moment the dad dies and you see that he the dad prefers Danielle is like consoling Danielle over her. Like from that acting moment, it's just it's like a train, like you're just go, 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 go. And it's just so wonderful throughout the entire film. And even like her moments of wanting to connect with Danielle because she reminds him so much of her father. It's truly a wonderful, it's a masterclass to me in acting what Angelica Houston is doing in that film. Uh, then you have Kate Blanchett who just owns every scene that she is in from her look to the way she's acting to the way she's presenting herself she really takes command of that film whenever she's on screen even even if she's not supposed to even if we're supposed to be focusing on lily james no our eyes are on kate blanchett Mm -hmm. absolutely and while some may think of that as a negative i think of that as a positive i think that movie these especially ever after and cinderella 2015 are both about both Cinderella and the stepmother and their relationship and their connection and them interacting with each other and how two women in the societies that they're living in under different circumstances live. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting to see that. It's, it's, it's so wonderful. And then Jennifer Coolidge is just hilarious. Like she, she is really the best part of a Cinderella story. Again, and like Angelica and Kate, she owns every time she's on that screen. Every time she's on the screen, she just takes over. Why I'm putting Jennifer as an honorable mention and not the top mm-hmm. is because of the writing. Because the Cinderella story definitely has the weaker writing of the three movies that are mentioned in this, ca- that we are mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if it had a little bit better writing, I think Jennifer really would have like extra footing into this. Mm-hmm. but with what she is given she just takes it and runs with it like she just goes for it and i'm sure she improved a lot too like 
So are we going to call that a two-way tie then? I, or should we call it a three-way tie? I personally would give it to Angelica Houston. Okay. I'll meet you at Angelica Houston. I'll give it to Angelica Houston. Thank you. That's the um, fourth win forever after. I mean... That's not a surprise. <laughs> I suppose. The next category is best prince. Okay. For me, my best prince... And this may, this may be a little bit of a shocker because it was so early in our season. Mm-hmm. But I'm going with Prince Kai from Cinders. I gave Prince Kai my honorable mention. Okay. Here's the thing that I like about Prince Kai. I think, bec- I think the way that it's written, the way that we understand the story through Cinders' perspective, we really get a side of the prince that we don't usually get, which is like the prince as a flirt. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why this doesn't show up in live action adaptations as much or screen adaptations, because what I love about Prince Kai is like the way that he flirts with Cinder is really like charming and lovely. And you're sort of mm-hmm. like, ah, I can see why you'd be swept away by this. I can see why you'd be charmed by this. It also just feels like he is of age. Mm-hmm. The one thing that detracted from Prince Kai for me, the one reason I didn't give him the the spot for me Mm -hmm. was because it feels like two different characters in that book sometimes where like the person he is with cinder and the person he is when he's dealing with affairs of state feel like different people um and i get that like people are in different modes in different places but it felt it felt different enough to me that i was confused by it interesting because i didn't have that problem Mm -hmm. personally Maybe part of it is that um, I listened to it as an audiobook and you read it as a physical book. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's something about how the, the audiobook narrator was reading it that made me feel maybe. like they were they were different people. Uh, I gave it to Prince Henry Ever After. But I think if we both if we both had Prince Kai on our list, that seems like that's the one. Mm-hmm. Prince Kai. What do you have to say about Prince Henry, though? I love when they when uh, Cinderella does the the prince is made better by his relationship with Cinderella thing. Mm-hmm. And... I think that Ever After did it first and best. And I think that Prince Henry is really a character that you empathize with and you want him to come around and do do good for the kingdom mm-hmm. and learn from mm-hmm. Cinderella. And a lot of other uh, Cinderella stories that do this thing add this other element. So like in the Cinderella 2013, the Rodgers and Hammerstein version, and in Ella Enchanted, but both also have, like, Cinderella telling the prince to get politically activated Mm -hmm. thing going on. Both of them have an evil advisor who is intentionally keeping the prince in the dark, but it makes the prince come across as less smart Mm -hmm. because he, or less um, responsible, that he is, like, ignoring, for the sake of convenience, is ignoring what's actually going on in his kingdom because it's easier for him to let somebody else worry about those things. Mm -hmm. Whereas Prince Henry seems actively involved in the problems of his kingdom and is like so willing to listen. And and I think we understand that it's one of the reasons that he becomes interested in Cinderella or Danielle is because he finds her political opinions interesting. Mm. So that balance of him being interested in the kingdom and also interested in Danielle and also being charming, I think is a really good balance. Mm. Mm. No, I definitely think you're right on that. I think he's also one of the few examples of a prince naturally like changing his opinions and his beliefs 
over time, you know, I mean, obviously there's some influence from the Cinderella. There, al- there always will be, you know, when somebody comes in and somebody has a different view and you really think about it and you go, oh, wait a minute, you know, that, that whole thing. Henry feels natural. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Henry feels like he's the one that, Henry and Kai both feel like they are the ones that grow up the most throughout the sto- their stories. Definitely, yeah. Which is why I think I like them. Mm-hmm. Because they are learning just how to be better people. Yeah, and through Prince Kai, you get a lot of that as, like, learning what the responsibilities of being emperor are going to be mm-hmm. and making these mistakes and having to live with their consequences. Mm-hmm. Whereas Prince Henry, he's in a position where he hasn't ascended the throne and he's able to... Right. To make mistakes with less consequences. Right. Have I convinced you to join me on Prince Henry, or should we stick with Prince Kai? I think you convinced me to join me on Prince Henry. Wow. This is a sweep. This is a, it's a sweep. It's a sweep. <laughs> Ever after. That's incredible. Well, we have... We have one category left. In the... In the individual awards. In the individual awards. Oh, gosh. Best Cinderella. Best Cinderella. The character. Yeah. Uh, I also have three people. Okay. I have a two-way tie, and then I have a runner-up. My two-way tie is... Uh, Brandy from the Rodgers and Hammerstein TV Cinderella, mm-hmm. tied with Danielle de Barbarak Ever After, <laughs> runner-up Sam Montgomery, a Cinderella story. Really? Yes. I want to hear about that. I think the duality of Cinderella mm-hmm. is that we understand her to be like, especially in a teenage high school setting, understand her to be like gawky and uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and then that she comes into herself. Right. And I think that Hilary Duff plays that dichotomy really nicely. Mm-hmm. I think she's perfect for what they're trying to do with a Cinderella story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it's that that match of actor to role that works really well. And that's also why I like Brandy in the Rodgers and Hammerstein made-for-TV Cinderella, that she is the only Cinderella we've seen who really plays it like Cinderella is shy. I love that. Because mm-hmm. that, that, um, so often she just comes across as this uber confident person but cinderella's been like beat down for a lot of her life and told that she's not worth much totally and i'm not saying that that tv movie has a lot of like psychological reality going on in it but it doesn't have none um and i love that take on the character i think brandy does it beautifully i think it's the same match between um performance and casting and text Mm. and then danielle de barbrack is an ever after so (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, it's sweeping, but I think it's that same dichotomy where we see her be downtrodden and like hurt Mm -hmm. and we empathize with her hurt. And then she gets to like become really radiant and right and confident. And I think that that transformation is played really well. Mm -hmm. Well, I also chose Danielle. Okay. Because I think she is the best example So a common thing that we've seen in especially modern Cinderella's is trying to, because we've talked about before how Cinderella is considered a passive character. And so what a lot of writers have tried to do with Cinderella over the years is try to give her more, more agency. And I, I think writers have a really hard time giving her agency. I think they find a lot of difficulty in that and just go for the immediate, like, I'm going to sass right back to you, blah, blah, blah. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm the sassy Cinderella. You know, we've seen it 
a lot. Yeah. And what I love about Danielle is that, like, she has some sass to her, but she's also strong in her convictions, you know? She she knows what she wants. She fights for what she wants. She disguises for what she wants. Like, she will, she will go out there and do what is necessary, what she feels is right, you know? I think the other thing, and we've talked about it before, but the other thing I really like about Danielle is that she has a prime interest that is not the prince mm-hmm. and that is, like, actually remains her prime interest because there's a lot of times where the Cinderella has a prime interest but then the plot dictates that she has to get you know right carried away with something else um like even in Cinderella 2021 we understand that Cinderella wants to open a dress shop but the primary thing that the movie is about is um the romance and I'm not saying that the romance isn't the primary thing in Ever After but Danielle's motivation for the entire movie remains protecting the estate Mm -hmm. and if she can have the estate and the prince too that's nice but if she could only have one i feel like she'd pick the estate and i don't think we would have you know for instance lynn cinder wanting to escape wanting to leave her awful family Mm -hmm. or uh cinderella and angela weber cinderella wanting to leave wanting to be herself and leave her family like i don't think we would have like cinderella's like that who do have those strong convictions without Danielle. So I guess we should give it to Danielle. Unless I convince you about Brandy. Here's the thing. You did con- Here's the thing. Should we call it a tie? What I like about the Brandy and what you said about the Brandy Cinderella is a character that would be shy, mm-hmm. would have introverted tendencies because she's been kind of hidden away. Well, and I like a shy Cinderella because I think it makes other things make sense. Mm-hmm. Like, why doesn't she just come out and tell the prince who she is? And why does she run away and not try to, like, make him understand? Like, those things make a lot more sense in the context of a character who's a little timid. Right. Tie, 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 tie. <laughs> yeah, I think I think this is this this is a tie between Danielle De- DeBarrack and Brandy's Cinderella. I honestly would also give an honorable mention to Carrie Hope Fletcher's Cinderella. Okay. Because I think she, while she may have like similarities to say Wednesday Adams mm-hmm. in the Adams family, I think her Cinderella has a lot of both of their qualities in a way. Hmm. I don't think she has a lot of brandy in her. She has a little bit of brandy in her. While also having 2015 Cinderella as well. Why don't you leave the house? Because this is my mother's house, you know? Mm-hmm. So usually on a show like the Oscars, they'll cut to commercial right before the big award to like build suspense. Mm-hmm. And I'm worried we've like undercut the suspense by giving Ever After six awards out of our total of nine. <laughs> That's two thirds. Well, I mean, there's been times, especially even at the Tony Awards, where it's like, it's no surprise what's going to win. We're just here for the fun. But in the interest of building suspense, let's go to the interlude anyway. Yes.
And we're back. We are back. It's the first annual Fitties. It's the bottom of the ninth. Everyone wants to know, what is the best overall Cinderella? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a sports reference I put in there. Yeah, that is. I'm proud of you. We're recording this on Super Bowl Sunday, so I figured a baseball reference was <laughs> the way to go. It's the... It's the... I don't know how football works. It's, a, it's the fourth inning. It's the... There's innings? Yeah. No, it's the fourth quarter. Quarter. There's quarters in yeah. football. Yeah, it's fourth quarter. It's the fourth quarter. The bases are tied. <laughs> Stop. No. The Zamboni's out. <laughs> so I made a joke earlier about there being like winners in art. Mm-hmm. And because I think there aren't really winners in art, the way that we handled best overall Cinderella is that we used uh, the tier maker online to do a tiered list. Mm-hmm. So what this is, is it's a list where you can organize images mm-hmm. into seven categories so okay. it's perfect great good mediocre bad awful unforgivable mm-hmm. i think i named them there was they were like that and then i think i changed them a little bit the right. names so we both organized the 20 adaptations of cinderella that we covered and two small cinderellas mm-hmm. uh, i guess three if you count cinderella three a twist in time as the small cinderella of that episode true so there's a total of 23. 23 Cinderella's in our tier list. Mm-hmm. I figure best way to go is start from the bottom. Mm-hmm. And I'll say what's on the, my bottom tier. You'll say what's on yours. But there won't be like a winner necessarily. Although I think we all know it's ever after. Right? We'll see. We'll, we'll get there. We'll see. We'll get there. Yeah. So in dead last, my unforgivable tier, Cinderfella. Okay. Do you have an unforgivable? I have no unforgivable. Nothing's unforgivable Nothing's for unforgivable to me. All right. I put Cinderfella here because... I think it just completely misunderstands the Cinderella story. Mm-hmm. I think it's sexist. I think it's unpleasant to watch. For me, it's unforgivable. Mm. Moving up to our awful tier. I have two films in awful tier. I have Made in Manhattan and I have The Glass Slipper. Okay. You? I only have Cinderella 2021 in awful. Wow. Okay. So we disagree about what, what the worst couple are. Yes. We're going to disagree a lot in this. I can already tell. Yeah, which is good. Which is good podcasting, I think. Yes. So why Cinderella 2021, you're worst cinderella i think because i think it has the bare minimum of what a cinderella is and then it just added so much on top of it Mm -hmm. that just didn't make sense or that blew my mind or was just not good that i can't put it anywhere above awful at least with the other ones i was able to find something cinderella about it Mm-hmm. I'm using that as a new like verb. Yeah, but it feels very Jacques and Gus Gus. It's very Jacques and Gus Gus. But with this one, I it was just so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I find that when I was making this list, I looked back more fondly on the ones that were fun to discuss. Mm-hmm. So like Slipper in the Rose and Cinderella 2021, which were bad movies, but we enjoyed talking about. Mm. I think show up probably higher on my list than they do on yours. Mm. Next category up is bad. Well, tell me about your awful list. Oh, I think Made in Manhattan is more romance movie than Cinderella. Mm. I think it's a entirely mediocre, forgettable film. And the glass slipper felt bizarre. I mean, the conception of the character of Cinderella as this brat coupled with a like general lack of any particular inspiration in the rest of the movie. Mm. Just, just put it low on the list for me. Okay. Moving up to the bad list. Okay. I have three in bad. I have... Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella, I have Slipper in the Rose, and I have Cinderella 2, Dreams Come True. So we share a couple of those. Okay. What's your bad list? My bad is Cinderella, mm-hmm. Cinderella 2, Dreams Come True, 
Made in Manhattan, the 2013 Broadway revival of Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella, mm-hmm. and Slipper in the Rose. Nice. So yeah, so similar in some places. Mm-hmm. And then, as we'll see later, some places that really very much diverge. Very much diverge. Going up to mediocre, because I think it's harder to talk about the things in the middle, so I, we don't have to do reasons. Mm-hmm. Going up to mediocre, um, I have Cinder Elmo, another Cinderella story, Cinderella 2021, the opera La Cenerentola and Confessions of an Ugly Stepsister. I also have Cinder Elmo, Confessions of an Ugly Stepsister. I put The Glass Slipper mm-hmm. in Mediocre for me and La Cenerentola. So pretty well. pretty similar. Pretty similar. I I don't have as much hatred of The Glass Slipper as you do. Mm-hmm. Because while it is definitely different and Cinderella being a brat is very weird, I still had a good time watching it like I, there were still some things that i was like this is fun this is imaginative this is really cool like this is a fun movie to watch mm-hmm. moving up to good mm-hmm. i have a cinderella story ella enchanted cinderella three twist in time matthew Bourne's cinderella and the book cinderella by st lynn okay i have matthew Bourne's cinderella another cinderella story and a Cinderella story. Nice. Yeah. The Cinderella story, cinematic universe, together again. I thought a Cinderella story was better than another Cinderella story. I did too. That's why, while I put it in good, mm-hmm. I put it above another Cinderella story. Oh, your your rankings are in the order you say them is the best one and then the worst one. Yes. Yes. Gotcha. Of that tier. Mine are just all mixed in. Mm. Moving up to great. Mm-hmm. I have Cinderella 2015, Into the Woods, Cinderella 1950, the Disney movie, and the made-for-TV Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella with Whitney Houston and Brandy. Okay. <laughs> so, I also have Cinderella 2015. I also have Into the Woods. I have Cinderella 3, A Twist in Time. Cinderella. Ella Enchanted. And then I put Angela Weber's Cinderella. Okay, this is a big divergence between us. Uh-huh. Because I had it in bad and you have it in great. Yes. Talk about why that's great for you. You know, as I was thinking about it and as I've done, because I've listened to the show more since we've done the episode and have really kind of invested some more time into like looking into the show. And it is not perfect. Far from it. But the sum of its parts really make it great. Mm -hmm. And... It's continuing to be rewritten and re-edited and such. I'm hoping that it does become more and more great. But overall, from what we saw at that time, I really liked it. Like, I really had a good time with Android Weber's Cinderella. And that's not a popular opinion, mm-hmm. but it really was fun to watch. And I'm excited to see where it goes. I also going to be curious if they make changes before it opens in New York. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. Having the Brandy Cinderella win two awards in our individual awards makes me think that I maybe should have put it up a a higher tier Mm -hmm. into uh, the next row up, which is perfect. Mm -hmm. There's something that holds me back from putting it up higher, I think, which is that it feels like a made-for-TV movie sometimes. Mm. And I don't know why that detracts something from it for me. But there's there's a lot of it I really do like. It doesn't detract from me. I definitely have it in my perfect tier. It's interesting that, looking at my list, the ones that I said were great are the ones that that do the Cinderella story in a fairly straight across the board way. Like, like I think for me, this list 
is the ones that did it well, but were missing some some spark to bring it to the next level. Do you feel that same way about yours? In a way, yes. But I think for me, to me, it's a lot of one nostalgia. Like I still have that nostalgia bias for me with some of these Cinderella's. And two, you know, I don't think you can beat the classic story. Mm -hmm. And I think there were two that really did the classic story in a really great way. Like the best way, I think. And then there were two that changed it up in the best way. You're talking about your perfect list. Yes. Gotcha. So what are your perfect choices? My perfect choices. And this is the order. Like, as we said, I've said it in order from best to worst. Yeah. This is, this is my order of like my top four. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Cinderella's. And I'm going to start at number four this time for me. It goes Disney Cinderella, 1950, Brandy Cinderella, Cinder, and then number one, of course, no surprise, shocker, Ever After. Yeah, I like you trying to build suspense by doing a countdown that way. (laughs) My perfect three, and again, this is in no particular order, is Ever After, the book Cinder, and the 2013 stage revival of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. Mm-hmm. So we agree on Cinder and Ever After. Ever After obviously is is our Diamond Jubilee Award winner. Mm. Uh, Cinder, it's interesting that it made both of our lists without making a lot of the individual categories. I think one of the things that really works for me in Cinder is the world building, the character building, all of those things feel really intentional and interesting. I am still hoping to pick up more books in the series soon. Mm -hmm. And then where we differ, the big difference is Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella, which you put in bad. The Broadway, the Broadway version. The Broadway one, which you put in bad and I put in perfect. I find it interesting that we both have one that each of us put in bad and the other put in a higher tier that's like good or perfect. Well, and that they're both stage musicals. Right. I think that's very interesting. I think that what I like about the 2013 stage adaptation of the Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella, there's no faster way to say that, is that the adaptational choices, I think, are very strong. I think the writing is good. We've talked about it before. Mm -hmm. I like what they do to the Prince character. I like the way that they rewrite the story to make better sense in a two-act structure on stage. And I think the production, the Broadway production, was done really well. Mm -hmm. Right, right. I mean... I think my overall issues with it are the book. I'm not a big fan of the book. I don't like the book, mm-hmm. unfortunately. I think it was Douglas Carter being, I think he's written better things personally. Yeah. Because I think he was just so like confined within, this is a fairy tale, this is a Cinderella story, that I don't think he had as much room to grow with it. Whereas... You know, Emerald Fennell, who did Android Weber Cinderella, she had a lot more room to grow and she had, she grew a lot with the story and was able to expand it in a way that I don't think Douglas Carter Bean was able to, or he might just not have wanted to or been too afraid to, you know? Uh, you say that, but I think there's a lot of things that it does that the Rogers and Hammerstein TV Cinderella doesn't do. I think it does a lot of things that don't show up in most Cinderella's. Mm. Having the ball and then the banquet. We talked earlier about there being an evil advisor about, but it also like this idea of having like revolutionaries in the town and mm-hmm. really having a sense of, of what politically is going on. Mm. I mean, the way that the people of the town are presented as characters and that their interests matter. I mean, one of the complaints about Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella is that the characters are 
like worried about the populace will think or worried about what tourists will think about the mm. image of their temple. We never actually see any tourists. We never see any commoners. Mm. We just sort of have these throwaway laugh lines about how the queen has spent all the money that should have gone to hospitals on lavish festivals and things like that. So getting an actual sense of who the people that are that are being affected by the kingdom's policies and, and really introducing politics into a story that could just be a fairy tale, I think is one of the reasons that I like the 2013 stage revival of the Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella. <laughs> There's got to be a shorter way to say that. But I think it's safe to say that we can crown Ever After or co-crown Ever After and Cinder as our two best overall Cinderella's. Definitely. Of our inaugural season if the shoe fits mm-hmm. i agree i think they do the best at telling the story and expanding it in a way that is different enough but yet not so foreign yeah and i think the one of the things that they both have that's very strong is that they both present enough detail about the world that you feel like you could zoom in on some other character in that world and also have a full story there totally and with a story like cinderella the tendency sometimes can go the other way that you get a sense that Cinderella and the prince and maybe sometimes just Cinderella is the only fully realized person in a world full of cartoons. So now that we've reached the end of our season, <laughs> what did we learn about the Cinderella story? I've learned that there are many ways to mess it up. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I think at the beginning of the season, we were really interested in the idea of like figuring out what the Cinderella story was, like what the beats are, and then also like what is the the message. And I think the answer has been that the message changes with the times. That, totally. That every every generation decides what Cinderella means to them. Although it's always a story about leaving a bad situation and ending up in a situation with love and financial security. Mm-hmm. But the the lesson you take away from that and the themes of it and the themes that surround that certainly change with the times. Totally. And we know how quickly you can tell it, too. Right. It's <laughs> And how much better it is when you do it slower. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a story that if you take your time with it, mm-hmm. you can really get a lot out of it. Yeah. You know, it, it's so easily expandable, and you can do so much with it. I'm hopeful and excited. As much as Cinderella 2021 doesn't make me hopeful and excited, I still remain hopeful for future Cinderella stories. Well, I think that's what I like about Cinderella 2021. I mean, I put it in mediocre because I think that it has some real faults, but it's it tries to reframe the story and make it make sense to a modern audience. And it tries to create a fun family film with some depth, Mm -hmm. right? I think there's a lot of ways in which it fails. I think it is so much more interesting to watch a film that is trying to do those things than one that is not. And I think that Although I think Cinderella 2015 is the better movie, mm-hmm. I think I was more engaged watching Cinderella 2021. Because you were wondering what was happening well, on your screen. Well, totally. Well, I, you know, I think this is a thing that, like, people who get in, really into screenwriting say. They say, I really love bad movies because in a good movie, if the plot is well-structured, you can kind of guess where it's going. Mm-hmm. In a bad movie, everything just goes at the window and you have no idea what's going to happen next. <laughs> like, the element of surprise comes back. So maybe that's what I like about that i was so taken hostage by (laughs) cinderella after cinderella that i was like oh my god what on earth is going on (laughs) i think that it's probably going to be a little while before you and i watch another cinderella Uh, maybe it depends if something catches my eye i'll watch it you wouldn't say no i wouldn't say no because overall i like the cinderella story yeah i think it is 
a beautiful story that in some ways can be relatable to anyone. And I think that's truly the beauty of the story is that it is how relatable it is. Yeah. And I think at its, at its worst, there's this sort of like aspirational, maybe I'll get swept away element and maybe good things will happen to me without me doing much work. And I'm glad that we read some and watched some that were, that subverted that. Because I think it is hard to tell the Cinderella story in the modern times. I think there's this tension between wanting to tell people to go out and make their own fate and destiny. And also, sometimes you want good things to happen to you just because you're so good. Mm -hmm. Right? We've had a good time. Yes. This season. Yes. These 24 total episodes, I believe. 22 regular, two bonus. Right. And I think we're both hoping that we could come back and do a second season. Definitely. Because it's fun. Because it's fun. And as much as there are a wealth of Cinderella's that we have not scratched the surface of, (laughs) I think we're ready to tackle another story. Definitely. Which is why we've been talking about doing a season about... Drumroll, please. (laughs) I could do a drumroll. I could do a drumroll on post. Yes, you can. So, So the drumroll effect begins now. Is that you signaling a symbol yeah, crash? Yeah. I'll know when you did that gesture with your hand <laughs> in post, and then I'll put the symbol crash there, and then I'll reveal right. that we want to do a season about the Lorax. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a short season. It's going to be a short season. We're going to read the book. We're going to watch the cartoon movie. We're going to watch the we're gonna watch animated Ball. movie. We're going to watch... No, no. We want to do a season about Romeo and Juliet. Yay! I'm doing a little happy dance. It's like a yo-ho and a bottle of rum <laughs> dance, actually. <laughs> so hopefully we'll be able to bring you that future season starting in late spring, early summer. Mm-hmm. But in the meanwhile, we're going on hiatus. Mm-hmm. If you've listened to all of this very navel gazy episode, thank you. If you've listened to any of the season, thank you deeply. I thank you to all of our guests throughout the season. Oh, absolutely. Yes. This is a labor of love and we've really enjoyed doing it. Mm-hmm. So thank you for coming along to the ride mm-hmm. and I think that sound of a clock chiming midnight means it's time to wrap up this episode of If The Shoe Fits and this season of If The Shoe Fits and this season we gotta get home before these riches turn to rags thanks for listening thank you bye bye <laughs>